I'm David Smith, and you're listening to the Faith in Teaching podcast from the Kaiser Institute for Christian Teaching and Learning at Calvin University. In this series, we'll be talking with researchers and educators who are working to understand how Christian faith affects teaching, learning, and the way we do education. On today's episode, my guest is Diane Hockridge, who is an educational designer at Ridley College, which is a theological college in Melbourne, Australia, just down on the the southeastern tip of Australia. Uh, Diane has uh, quite a lot of experience in the area of design for online learning, and uh, her work came to my attention through uh, some research that she'd been doing uh, on Christian formation in the context of online learning, and so I'm hoping we'll We'll talk about that a little bit. So uh, welcome, Diane. Um, Anything else you'd like to tell us about yourself and your work? Thank you, David. It's great to be with you today. Um, Yeah, as you said, I I work for Ridley College, which is based in in Melbourne, Australia. Interestingly, I actually uh, live in Sydney, Australia, um, even though the college I work for is in Melbourne. So as part of my daily um, work practice, I'm involved in uh, commuting and working from a distance and remotely um, in my role in developing online courses. Okay, so you're in two beautiful parts of the world. Indeed, that's right. I have the best of, of two big cities, which are wonder- wonderful. So y- you've worked for a number of years now in online education in theological contexts. Um, could you just say a little about how you see the need for, for good online learning um, in Christian theological settings uh, changing over the last few years um, and why good design is an important part of that because that's the, the, the side that you've really majored on. Yes, that's right. Well, I suppose online learning has really sort of been around for the last couple of decades now. Um, there was some in the 1990s with some of the early starters, but mostly it's been, you know, in the last couple of decades and, you know, a lot's been happening uh, over that period of time. Uh, various uh, schools in theological education and other universities have tried various aspects of online learning and some are doing it well and some are doing it perhaps not quite so well. I think the pandemic um, really was a, a sort of a big, you know, shift for in online learning. Uh, pre-pandemic times, there was a lot going on, but when we when we all experienced a pandemic and everyone was suddenly thrown in um, and had to scramble to develop online courses, um, that really sort of shifted the foundations, I think, for online learning. Perhaps, you know, from my perspective, in some good ways and some bad ways, the, the not so good ways is that, um, you know, everyone was thrown in and had to sort of just scramble together and throw together what they could. Um, and so some of that was great and some of it were perhaps not so great. And also we had that whole Zoom fatigue experience where, you know, we all got so tired of just meeting remotely that that was a bit negative for um, some people's experience of online learning. Um, so that, I suppose that was the negative side of the pandemic. The positive side was uh, a, a lot of people were thrown into it and then thought, oh, actually, uh, there's things we can do here that we hadn't thought of before and realised their need for um, for learning more and um, realised how that they, there was some options for doing online learning well. So I suppose that's where people um, in roles like myself, for sort of educational design, instructional design, learning design, uh, we come alongside... Um, people who are trying to teach online and um, and help them think through how to develop a good online course, uh, what's the way to sort of do that well in an online context and how we can design uh, that course well. 
so yeah, these days it's rare to find a university that's that's not doing it, doing some kind of online or distance or blended learning. Yeah, it, it seems like in the early days of that process there was there was some there was some discussion back and forth in articles about you know can you even do Christian formation in online environments and it, you know are there theological arguments for or against online learning that got debated back and forth that seems to have mostly died away now and there's a wider acceptance that that you know, we do online learning and that seems like there are kinds of Christian formation that can actually happen online and it seems like that that was the sort of question that that steered your research you weren't you weren't just looking into kind of what's a good online course in a generic sense but you were asking questions about what kinds of Christian formation can can take place in a um, in an online environment? What what led you to those those particular questions and the way you designed your your research? Yes, as you say, those those questions have been big questions in theological education, um, particularly um, that whole area of if we if we're going to be doing online learning um, and people aren't meeting together face to face, there's there's not that sort of embodied experience. That's of uh, some concern for theological educators. Um, it's also of concern in other disciplines. So there's similar conversations going on, you know, in areas like medical science and psychology and even teacher education as people uh, try and grapple with, if we're not face-to-face, um, we have to meet remotely. How do, we, how do we do those sort of, yeah, the more soft skills, the more relational skills, um, and in theological education, the more formational um, areas that we're wanting to develop. Um, and so that whole area of how do we do those sorts of things has intrigued me for a number of years. And I, I went back to university um, a while back and to do my master's in higher education in e-learning as I started moving into this area of online learning, um, just to try and equip myself better to understand some of the, the areas of online pedagogy and so on. And during that period, my you know, I started reading around that area and realised so many theological educators uh, talking about this. As you say, there was a lot of uh, literature and research starting to happen in that area. And so um, I ended up in a situation where I could do this research. So once I started working for Ridley College, um, the plan was to develop a, a whole suite of online courses, new online courses, so that students could study completely online and do a full degree online. So we were going to offer a master's, bachelor's degrees online uh, so that gave a great opportunity to, um, to do some research into this area of how do we make sure those students who are coming through those online courses are actually formed holistically. Uh, we want them to be prepared uh, for, for ministry situations. We want them uh, to be spiritually formed, and uh, to be pastorally formed, to be able to engage in ministry. And so that was sort of like this, the starting kind of um, idea for the research and um, I was able to to start some research uh, on the ground using our online courses we were developing at Ridley um, to, to research those in a design-based research project that spans several years. So let, let, let's go right to some of your findings. What did you learn about Christian formation in, in, in online settings through your research? What were some of your, your key takeaways? Uh, yeah, well, we found lots of things. Um, just sort of stepping back a little bit just to explain the process uh, that we use. In design-based research, it's a little bit like action research. So um, what you do is you, you set up um, 
you design your online courses the way you want to design them. You have some ideas at the beginning, um, some sort of design um, strategies and ideas for how you're going to do things. And so we had a number of ideas about the things that we thought would work for um, um, developing spiritual formation and online learning. Some of those were um, offering particular subjects in spiritual formation. But more than that, we were trying to sort of embed different kind of practices and activities for the students to do that might help shape and form them as they studied theology. And so we applied those um, in the development of the online courses. We ran the online courses. We got students into the courses and then we um, asked them for their feedback. Um, so we did that in three cycles over three years. And over those three cycles, each time we tweaked a few things, added a few things, changed a few things, and then recorded the feedback from the students. And um, also, importantly, from the, the teachers about how they thought it was going. So we were able to gather a whole lot of data, which then helped us to, to determine what are the kinds of areas that can actually shape students and help them to be formed holistically when they're studying online. And we came up with a, with a bunch of things. Um, probably about sort of a 10 main areas. I won't go, I won't go through all of them, um, but um, I, I do have some information that I can share with people about that. But yeah, some of those areas are, of course, making sure that there are some kinds of relational connections so that you, you're not just an isolated student studying online by yourself. And so those might be connections with your peers, um, with the, the teachers or the tutors that you're studying with. And importantly also, um, making sure that there are connections with other people in, the, in your own context. Because online students, of course, you know, live and work in their own context. And um, I think that's one of the key findings is that if we can try and, as um, theological colleges, find ways to uh, push out the learning and the experiences into the students' real context where they live and work and minister, um, that, that can really make a difference. So kinds of authentic um, ass assessments, um, applying their learning in those contexts, having people in those contexts who can support and help them. That was one um, interesting aspect. And, and that, uh, that's something the, the the instructor can push on by designing assignments that actually ask students to connect with people around them rather than just submitting work, right? Yes, exactly. Um, and that's I think that's something that is, is very important to sort of keep encouraging people who work in online learning to do. And it is a challenge because... Uh, you know, we, we each work within our own institutions and um, sometimes we have to work hard to set up partnerships or connections with people in those other contexts. So in a country like Australia, most of our students are Australian. We have some international students as well. But it's a big country um, and uh, probably <laughs> like United States and, uh, and other countries like Canada as well, um, you know, there are remote areas and students can be spread around a big area. And, you know, you as a lecturer don't necessarily um, have contacts in all those uh, different remote areas. So sometimes it takes us work to connect with people in those areas who might be able to support um, and supervise the students. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, that practical element of pushing the learning out into the context is very important, I think. Mm -hmm. So so um, building connections was one, one important mm -hmm. area. Any other key... Yes, building, those, building the connections and, um, as I said, the, those, those relational connections. Lots of other things in terms of thinking about how we design the learning tasks. One of the interesting, um, a couple of interesting things about designing learning tasks that we discovered was that um, 
in making sure that students engage with different perspectives is very um, important and worthwhile. So that's something that sort of bubbled up through the research that surprised me a little bit. Students would often say, you know, one of the things that I, I found really helpful as I was thinking about, you know, my own growth as a Christian was, you know, I got to engage with all these people from uh, different backgrounds who might think about things slightly differently to me uh, or might have had different experiences to me. Um, and as people know who've been teaching in theological education for a while, pushing, pushing back on students' own understanding of their, their beliefs and things is, is part of the theological um, learning process. So, but online learning actually offers lots of opportunities for students to engage with different perspectives. And again, that's something that teachers can intentionally include in their online courses, whether that's through um, having online discussion forums, engaging people who might have impact input from, you know, different presenters and so on, different readings. Um, so that different perspectives was another um, interesting finding that we came mm -hmm. up with. So, so you, you said earlier about, you know, some online learning is is good and some's not so good. What did you learn about the not so good? Did you, <laughs> were you able to identify any practices that really didn't work? And I guess especially ones that might have seemed as if they should have worked, but didn't would be really interesting. But but just in general, what was, what's worth avoiding? <laughs> yes, good question. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so we, I think one of the key areas that people often struggle with in online learning is, uh, the online discussion forums. So, and and they can be a real struggle <laughs> for a lot of people. And one of the advantages of doing the, the design-based research that we did with the sort of iterative cycles meant, meant that we could try out different things um, and, and see how different things went over time. Uh, however, even having the opportunity to try out different things with online discussion forums, uh, you know, still we had some problems with it. So what what we did with our online discussion forums was, so that when I say online discussion forums, I mean uh, those asynchronous kinds of discussion forums, sometimes called um, bulletin boards or, um, you know, that kind of thing that are often offered in um, things like Moodle. Yep. Um, so where students are not talking live face-to-face, -face, they're, they're typing um, and communicating asynchronously. So we were using those kinds of forums quite extensively. And um, one of the problems we came across was that if you try and assess students' participation in those forums, then that changes for the student the experience of being in that forum because they know that what they're typing is being assessed. And then that can be counterproductive in terms of uh, helping student formation because the students, you know, know they're being assessed and they're perhaps being less likely to be as genuine or they, they struggle with being genuine and knowing that they're being graded. And so the problem we had was that if we didn't make them accessible, then students were less likely to participate. And so you'd only get some students participating. So that, that was a real tension um, for us. And I think that remains a tension. A couple of things we, we did find um, that worked well was that we put some uh, students in some small groups um, and they remained in that small group for a period of, you know, whatever the teaching period was, a semester or a year. And so they got to know those same four or five people um, and the students looked after those um, student discussion forums themselves with the lecturer only occasionally coming in to sort of check in on things and get a report from the students. And so that, that 
that gave consistency of connection and also um, opportunities for students to really talk together in a real manner. So, so that was one good strategy, which I, I recommend, particularly if you're looking for trying to develop connections and, and uh, formational stuff with students. I remember when I was reading your research and some of the comments from, from the students, that was something that really resonated with my own experience was that, um, you know, if you set up a discussion board and you've got 30 students in the class and you require students to, you know, read 10 posts and post five times or whatever, it very quickly just turns into busy work and uh, just mm -hmm. this kind of checking off of requirements. But if I would subdivide students into smaller groups and make them accountable to each other, then it can become a context for building relationships. And it, it's it's partly about scaling in the right way and providing the right kinds of continuity for, for students communicating with each other. Um, if, if you had to give one piece of advice to somebody right now, you know, we've got through the pandemic, we we, we all got kind of thrown into Zoom without a parachute. And, um, and, 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 and now I think a lot of us get into the stage where we we sort of know what we're doing some of the time. Um, what's one piece of advice you would give to Christian educators preparing an online course at, the, at this point? Yeah, and another good question. Um, I think one of the things I often say to people is allow plenty of time to prepare when you're doing an online course. So uh, online courses are sort of front-ended with the workload. Uh, they usually take more more preparation, particularly if you're preparing pre-recorded videos or whatever. Um, yeah, you've really got to think through. Um, so allow that time and put yourself in the student's shoes. Try and imagine what, what it would be like to be a student in your class. You know, are things clear? Do students know where to go? Do they know what to do? Um, do they feel welcomed? Do they have a sense of who you are uh, and who the other students are? All those kinds of things are, are really worth sort of working on at the beginning, whether you're doing that um, asynchronously through discussion boards or synchronously through Zoom sessions or, or whatever um, features you use. So, yeah. Another thing I, I often um, say to people too is I like to think about online courses as sort of designing a learning pathway for students. So that sort of ties in with putting yourself in the student's shoes how are the students going to get from where they are to where you want them to be? And what kinds of things can you put into your online course to help them progress? Um, and, and, and for the students, if, if, if you were a student about to start an online course, what, what's one piece of advice you would give to students right now? Uh, yeah, it's, uh, I think find a friend. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, try to make sure that you're not isolated. So maybe study with with someone um you know or have someone who you can talk to who's in your your local church community your local pastor whoever it is that you can bounce bounce ideas off particularly if you're um studying remotely and 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 not having any connection on on the campus where you're where you're learning also yeah again allow enough time and you know some you really need to be a little bit more disciplined i think uh, for a lot of online study, uh, plan your time well um, and make the most of the opportunities that you do have for connecting with other people. Uh, so most online courses will, will have some ways of connecting, whether that's in through some blended mode, through some live sessions, whatever it is. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, try and make those connections so that you're, that you're not isolated. It's, it strikes me that a lot of syllabi I've seen don't address that kind of question. There's lots of guidance on here are the readings and this is when to show up and this is how many times you've got to post and so on. 
it's interesting to think of one of the pieces of advice the the instructor might give to the students right at the start of a course is how to connect with other people while you're studying in your in your local area. So I think it could be an interesting thing to explore as a syllabus component. Um, just be, before we finish, um, I, I know you told me you're part of this big new project uh, that's uh, that's looking to expand access to to online theological education, uh, especially outside of uh, of Western contexts. So tell us a little bit about that project and, and what it's doing. Yes, yeah, it's an exciting project to be part of. So I'm connected with a Local Leaders International um, and um, they've set up this project about 18 months ago. Um, it's called the LOGS Project, Local Online, a Global Strategy, uh, which has got some funding to support theological educators in online learning. And again, like we talked about earlier, this sort of, came out of the pandemic when uh, people got thrown into having to do things and realising that they just didn't have either the technology or the capacity or the skills to do it as well as they would like. And so um, the, the project has three arms, funding for capacity, which is like the technologies and so on that people need, uh, for faculty competence in online learning, and then also developing some shareable online content. Um, and this, this is really aimed at, as you mentioned, uh, theological colleges in the majority world, uh, many of whom in countries like countries in Africa and um, South Asia and so on, tend to have less um, technological capacity, um, not always, but often. And so I've been uh, very privileged the last year or two to be involved in, first of all, developing a, a framework for faculty competency which gives us a, a, an outline of seven different areas where we can focus on developing faculty competency. And some training courses have been developed and um, made available on the ISAT Academy site, uh, which is available for people to um, do those courses themselves. But also I've been involved with some others in running workshops for theological educators in a variety of different locations in Africa and Papua New Guinea and India and um, so on. And um, yeah, having I run a number of um, sessions just helping walk people through what are the areas of um, competency you can need to develop an online course and teach an online course. So there's lots of exciting things happening in that area at the moment. Thank you for sharing that. It's such a dynamic area. There's so many new initiatives popping up and uh, and things developing all the time that that it's all constantly on the move. And uh yeah, I appreciate the time you've taken just to share a little bit of your your research with us. Uh, thank you for for being with us. Thanks, David. It's been it's been great, and thanks for having me here. You've been listening to the Faith in Teaching podcast from the Kaiser Institute for Christian Teaching and Learning at Calvin University. Learn more at www.pedagogy.net.